Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Today at Ember. I am your host, Rob Velazzi, Head of Communications here at the Ember Project. This is a weekly series every Thursday at 2 p.m. at twitch.tv slash ember. That's E-M-B-R. Or you can always catch us on the other following podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I am joined today with my co-host, who's Head of Strategy here at the Ember Project, Jason Dominique. How are you, buddy? Hey Rob, how's it going? Doing pretty good, man. A little, a little tired myself. It's been, it's been a pretty rough couple of days as we get here to crunch time. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks to uh, to lead up to this uh, IDO, and we couldn't be more excited. I want to lead into uh, obviously everyone's waiting for this. We uh, we've received Hacken's audit. Oh, the big audit! It's finally happened. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we've we've received it um, Is that two about days ago? a few days ago. Yeah, exactly, and we've been reviewing it. Uh, so we're going to go in details uh, what they've covered, uh, and you know what's what's you know what are the uh, key points that came out, and what are the next steps. Obviously, there are next steps because this is the initial audit, and the objective here is to get the highest mark. Yeah, super happy with the audit. Yeah, with the results, absolutely. We'll get some detail on that too. We'll also talk a little bit about the white paper that we have and what the expectations are on that. We'll get a little bit deeper. And then, of course, we'll talk We'll talk about launch. We, when we looked at this hack and audit, right from the beginning too, is that when we were really surprised the level of how thorough they were, when it came to not only auditing the project and the smart contracts, but also auditing us. So, I mean, they really had some in-depth uh, analysis uh, about our organization and our smart contracts. And because they do such an in-depth analysis that they really break down even the smallest m- minute detail. Looking through the report, which is not sort of the public report yet, it's the initial report, which covers you know essentially two main categories of things that will be audited so on on one front it's the code so there's in-depth review of the whole code and also there is a functional review so how it it basically operates so there's the static the the, sorry the the static part of the code so what it looks like how it's been written Mm -hmm. then when it runs the functional part of it how does it run we're not going to be sharing the the first draft with you guys. We will give you guys some snippets that we'll send out to you guys to the public so you get like a broader idea of exactly what we're talking about because it get pretty complicated. And then when the full audit is actually released, then we'll obviously release that and that will be our final draft. Do you really want to get into the audit that talked about and how it broke it down? Yeah, I think it's it's worth mentioning a few things. So as you all know, we were originally supposed to have a uh, CERTIC audit. And by the time it all sort of happened, we ended up needing to change auditing company because the the schedules did not match. So we lost a few days there. Uh, So our original plan, obviously, as you know, we want to launch the pre-sale stages uh, before end of month. These initial days that were lost and obviously we you know everything's arrived on time except the fact that right now the initial feedback and since we want to lead by example and we want to hit the highest marks in regards to security 
functional code elements as well. So this means that basically right now we have, you know, according to their assessment, the way they put it is that our smart contracts are secure, but there are, you know, there's a few mediums and a few uh, low severity issues uh, that cover things like, and obviously their job is to nitpick, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because that's what I said before, yeah, that, that's how thorough they are. I mean, they were nitpicking just on us. I mean, so these are, when they say something that's of a, of a low, uh, so you guys understand the way the audit looks. There's a sliding scale from where it's, you know, poor, non-secure, secured, and there's the highest level possible that you can receive is a sliding scale. And we'll show that with, share that with you guys. And when there's something that's like what they call a low issue, I mean, these are minute, small coding details that are they're worried about a different version of JavaScript and, and stuff like that, where it's not really our smart contract per se. Like we said in, in last week's show, these elements of the business, this moving parts of the business, smart contract, tokenomics, these are all like fintech areas mm -hmm. of, of our business. And there are ways this industry uh, operates and you know there are conventions around naming recent solidity language versions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, javascript uh, in regards to the tests that are running sometimes there's a more recent version but as you all know and I'll take an example that is you know super simple when there's whether it's iOS or Windows, sometimes a lot of people want to stay on previous versions. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want to upgrade right now. And why is why is this? It's because sometimes prior versions are more stable. They've been they've been stress stress tested, and they're they're more aware of it. You know, whatever the issues are. Well, anytime there's a new version of iOS comes out, there's always updates about how some app didn't work on it. This one's not been updated correctly, and there's crashes, etc. So our Solidity, you know, our senior Solidity developer, he decided, you know, with us, you know, knowing about it, obviously, but we decided to write it and also build the tests through JavaScript on versions that were more stable than the most recent one. So what this means is it means that based on the audit, the way they want to see the code in regards to the review of it, the static part of it, they wanted to see it, you know, on, on the most latest naming convention. And in regards to the functional review, the JavaScript that we're running isn't either on the most recent test scripts for uh, testing the functional part of, of the code. So on our end, what this means is that to get it from secured to, I mean, ultimately, we could say that these are minor things and we could just basically decide to not amend it and keep it as such. Um, but that's not how we see ourselves upholding to the highest standard. But also, as I said earlier, you know, we, we want to lead by example. And if we set the highest standard, then if we accept or we're fine with just secured rather than well secured, I think it doesn't set the best example. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I mean, 
we could take what we have right now and the level of quality that the smart contracts are now, especially with this audit, is far beyond the level that you'll see the vast majority of things that you would have on the Binance smart chain, on the BSC, a lot of these smart contracts. And this is not just the token contract. You know, this is the crowd sell contract that's, that's our proprietary technology and our vault contract. And this technology and, and the level of security that you have just from this audit alone is above and beyond probably 99% of the things that you'll see out there in the Binance smart chain space. This is a true utility token. That being said, that is not where we want to stop, though. We don't just want to be better. Whatever we do with Ember, we want to make sure that we have the highest level of quality, setting the bar to everything that's setting the bar so high that everything we do is world class. But we want to have it at the absolute highest rating possible. We come out the gate and our very first product, that's what these potentially are, is these are products. These are proprietary technology. If our first thing out the gate sets the bar of being the highest level of quality, then everything else that's subsequent, our other products that launch, will have to meet that bar, meet that example. The other thing is, and as you all know, these smart contracts, they are not just the base of our launch or token they're the actual smart you know foundational smart contracts mm -hmm. of the launchpad mm -hmm. so ultimately what we're trying to get audited here is every single project that will launch we want it to be on a well secured foundational base i think that everyone would agree that it's worth going the extra mile and addressing those before doing anything. So what this means is our um, team like James, Solidity Dev, also our Web3 developer, we're sort of all coming together right now to upgrade the naming convention of our current contracts. We're also going back into those contracts and making sure that the uh, embedded tests, you know, to run them to see how they function on the latest and at the highest standard as well. Because mm -hmm. ultimately, if you look at, I uh, have the report in front of me, and one of the medium issues with it is that the test could not be run. And ultimately, a Solidity developer was like, well, they, they're just not running the same test that we're running. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, what, what they're benching it against is is a test that you know a, a version of the test that ours is not the same mm -hmm. so they want us to be able to run the same type of tests that they are and the naming convention these are all low low level vulnerabilities but it's a lot of work you know when when it's language so it's not just like select all and change all uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> find this word and uh change all uh, it's not a word document so um yeah, yeah you have so, to so, you have to get in the code and actually dig deep so even though these things are small and minor it still requires quite a bit of resources and that's really what the point of this audit really is you know it can be used of course as a selling point to the community and to potential investors and most importantly, as you mentioned before, is that all this stuff is the structural foundation for what the launch pad will be. To have 
this audit that shows the highest level of security, you know, makes potential ICOs and that are going to be launching on our uh, IDO launchpad that they feel the most secure. But above and beyond it being a selling point is part of the reason you ha- have them do the audit is so that they say, okay, great, this is what we saw. We like this. We like this. These are some things that you ha- that you change. And by luckily having the devs and, and the engineering team on staff is that they can then take that information. We're able to be nimble enough because we built the organization to be this way to address these issues. So we expected some of this to happen. And that's why that we you have the audit to originally to begin with to say, okay, let's address these issues that we may or may not have missed, or if there might be some major fault somehow that made through. Uh, unfortunately, that, that, that wasn't the case, but there's still some minor things that need to be kind of worked out and ironed out. Well, the good news is as soon as we received it, we began the work. We decided that it was absolutely, imperatively, and without a doubt, something that we were going to fix. I wasn't going to be like, as I said earlier, we're just going to leave it at is. It's good enough. We're not a good enough team. You know, we're as we you know, world class. As, as, yeah. So this means that by today, probably tomorrow, we'll be sending the iterated contract with all the updated naming convention, plus all the tests will be on the level that they're in the most recent versions that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So, but but unfortunately, what this means is these are uh, reviewed on working days. So tomorrow being Friday, there are very little chances that it's going to be uh, done by Friday to us. in one day, 24 hours. Absolutely not. So we're going to be waiting for this smart contract audit to come back. And there's no doubt that these small little things will go through uh, with flying marks. These are not things that we feel they're going to receive and you know we're not going to be bouncing back and forth multiple mm-hmm, times. Mm-hmm. So what happens is we feel that it's better for us to, to have this back in our hands with a well-secured contract before accepting anyone's money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this is quite understandable that for any type of uh, launch like this, where, as you said, Rob, there are millions of dollars on, on, on at the stake, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. these small minor adjustments, these are things that... And, and some of these small adjustments and, are really just a formality even. They're not even, you know, it's not like that there's some kind of deep issue with the code or some kind of security issue. I mean, some of these things are so minute. But you know they have to exactly. they, they have to they have to be done to be able to get their highest level of approval. What they call well secured, you know, their hacking gold standard. Yeah, I think going back to the reason, Rob, I'd like us to you know go back into the reason why we're doing this show. This is for us a way to share sort of what we know about crypto space, but also share you know our knowledge about different steps along the way about launching a startup that is powered by blockchain. But ultimately, I think this is a stage for us as a team to be transparent and to pretty much be, you know, we're, we're showing our deck, you know, and talk about poker, you know, we're, we're basically putting our cards down mm-hmm. and, and build this relationship where we're not hiding anything 
We want to tell you what what it is for real to be piloting one of these uh, projects. Yeah, and that's and that's really what's great about this show also too is that it also feeds into the narrative of what Ember is. And, you know, Ember token, of course, that's where the financial basis of it comes up. But Ember is not just the token. You know, this is an entire platform and ecosystem that really is meant to have creators and, and innovators and makers, you know, take whatever their idea is. So to go from ideation to creation to launch. And this show sets that standard of, look, this is what we're going through. You could literally look at this as an informative series that by the end of this, how this has launched and this project's launched, you could use what we're telling you now as a template to literally how to bring your project together. And Ember will be able to give you those tools necessary to do so to make it much easier. And that by building this relationship with the community, we show you every step of the way. We've shown you the pitfalls. We've shown you that there's been setbacks and how to overcome those setbacks and how to be nimble that it gives people the confidence that when they want to launch their own project on the Ember platform, that they say, hey, these guys know what they're doing. This is what they've been able to do. These are the things that I can expect. And that's what this show is really about. It's not only just to build that narrative. And of course, it's about being transparent so you guys feel comfortable with your investment and what's going on with the project. But you know, this actually achieves a, a double objective with this show. Yeah, this is so true. And the way we see this is we want to be able to share or to create this blueprint mm -hmm. of not just you know the the projects but you know the foundational steps of of going from ideation to launch and i think that right now this show is actually really really been beneficial for us because it gives us a chance to update everyone it gives us a chance also to gain feedback it gives us a chance to share knowledge about the space that anyone can go back and listen at any moment on any platform and it's just going to be there this is a great great opportunity for us to and and through through the 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 current situation basically what this means is we feel that it's best for all the reasons that we've just mentioned to push back a little as soon as we get the uh, final audited smart contract, the report that is ready to be shared with everyone, which you know we've been able to move the needle from secure to well secure. This is when we feel would be a great moment to push forward. Yeah, because and we did. We are meeting that obligation, which we've promised to you guys, is that we would, you know, before we ever ask anyone for their investment, that they'll have the materials and documents in hand to to feel secure, to know that this is going to be, you know, the highest level of scrutiny and security, and we're delivering on that promise. We're not would ever want to take anyone's investment or ask, you know, for anything monetarily without having this documentation in place. We have that obligation and really a fiduciary relationship to you as the community, as an investor, to make sure you have that in your hand before we launch. Absolutely. So this means that, you know, by Monday, we'll get a better sense of when we can expect to get back this audit. But we're fairly confident that somewhere around next Friday could be the postponed sort of pushback date to do the private launch. And... Yeah, that's that's yeah. basically it. Yeah, and on that, and then on that time frame too, and also too, you know, it, it is beneficial to to more than just the audit. It also gives us a couple of different opportunities to, 
you know, kind of onboard more of our, our marketing program to make sure that, the, you know, there is no man left behind from the legacy token or, or any of people that, who have the privilege of being a part of the private presale. It's the ability to kind of bring more of those people on board. And also, Eli kind of pushed this out too, because a lot of everything we do has been analyzed and we go over statistics. These things are not just chosen out of the air. And, and we noticed that on Sunday, it is the lowest trading volume day of the week. It's not really ideal to be able, on a Sunday, when we were just talking to our economists um, and our finance guys, and even Eli, who's, who's discussing that with them, is that they said, you know, it's beneficial is that if you're going to do this, the, the highest trading volume days are on a Thursday or a Friday. Those are the times look, you should look be at, focusing at. Look at yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good day yesterday. Uh-huh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was Thursday and... You know, um, you know, Bitcoin reached uh, a new all-time high, and ETH as well. Mm-hmm. So we want to be in, you know, in, in that sort of. Um, again, we're learning. Uh, initially, mm-hmm. we wanted it mm-hmm. to be, you know, everybody's off. You know, a Sunday. That's an easy, easy way you can be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But apparently, it seems that just like on social media, there are you know days that it's better to share updates or anything like that and even the news cycle when when you have someone you know that's where i come from is that pr world is that i have a, a background in political science is that anytime someone like the white house or government official wants to push out some bad news they'll do it friday 4 59 p.m right before the when news nobody's cycle listening. Yeah, nobody's listening and right when the news cycle is going so there's a method to this methodology there so this leads us into the main subject of the show, which is we want to go over white paper. Mm-hmm. And, and this extra window is definitely going to help us deliver a better white paper because right now we have what could be called a light paper. Uh, light paper is sort of a uh, just basically the bones. There's no real meat on it. Mm-hmm. It, it was going to be very tight to have it for Sunday. So mm-hmm. now there's no doubt about the fact that we're going to be having a uh, probably an undesigned, meaning that it's, you know, it's not going to be all pretty and everything, but we're going to have the, um, the white paper ready for next week. Yeah. The actual uh, analytical and- white paper, like, you know, something that you would see as a, as a, as a, a thesis document that a graduate student would give in. So that would be under yeah. on, on that kind of level of analysis. Now, we, of course, will come up with a one-pager where we'll make that information a little bit more digestible, where it's all you know beautiful graphics and that part is well displayed. But for the real true you know fintech heads and investors where they want to have that white paper in hand and an audit in hand, those things will be available on the day of the private presale, which is which is pretty spectacular. And this document, too, yeah. as you guys should know, is... is so was it like, maybe like 60 pages long or 30 pages long? I forget. Well, I mean, we're not developing a blockchain or a new protocol, so I guess we'll be able to have a, a thinner one because mm-hmm. uh, the technologies are mostly around smart contracts, uh, APIs, and things like that because, you know, we're not layer one, so we don't need to go so much in depth in that realm of the technology. Mm-hmm. But let me throw this at you, uh, Rob, in, in regards to how how do you feel about the current state of how a white paper is being perceived? What what's what's the expectations? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, probably a lot of people in the community that are really not familiar, especially if they've come from 
you know, the, the legacy token or maybe somewhere on, on BSC with some of these other coins is that their understanding of what a white paper is, is basically a marketing document. It's a document that's been put together maybe a couple of pages long that's really just about selling the project and the majority of which is a lot of like you know it's half roadmap of pie in the sky things they're all copying off one another with really no analysis exactly of how they're going to be doing any of those things it's really just them you know blowing smoke up your ass with these white papers that's not the kind of white paper that we're talking about here this is (laughs) the white paper you guys are used to seeing is is not really an in-depth analysis breaking down you know proprietary smart contracts how they work in depth how the math works behind it you most people are not used to seeing an actual real white paper yeah going back again to setting the standard and raising the bar for the space that we're in we want to deliver a white paper that is representative of our aspirations uh, because there's obviously a part where you know there's a roadmap element to it but also is a testament to how serious we are about solving the problems that we've identified as well Mm -hmm. uh, through the means of technology but also through the means of our products and services that Mm -hmm. will be it's basically basically our value proposition well, yeah, I mean, you have your one-liner and then you have uh, your white paper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like your, your, your one-liner, your value proposition is how can you take those 30, 40 pages and make it a one-liner mm-hmm. uh, that is mm-hmm. e- easily uh, digestible and understandable by everyone. But that goes back to the, uh, you know, the brand strategy and marketing strategy because Fundamentally, these uh, this white paper is is what everything rests on. It's the technology. It's you know the problem, the solution, real world examples. You know our, our smart contracts, the technology behind them, why someone you know would use what we're bringing in that space. You know what's the incentive for them? It's really the um, the, the full blueprint and schematics of the inner workings of what is technically the, the the foundation of the entire Ember project. Yes, and let's also remember that we don't have all the answers. And most project, you know, leader would say that the same is there's a lot of unknowns mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, the white paper currently and the way it's going to come out, it's a snapshot. It's a picture of how we see it now. But ultimately, going forward, the path is not a straight line. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not why it's not a this, static document. It's not going to be a static document. And, and every single new amendment that will be made on smart contracts, you know, when, when Staken comes around the corner, you know, the explanation of how all these smart contracts are going to be operating, it's going to be in there. You know, you can't expect right now to see how, you know, the white paper part of the staking. Mm-hmm. We haven't developed the technology yet. You know, mm-hmm. we're in the process. We know that the scope of this process is about six or seven smart contracts that will be interoperating together with, you've heard, you know, 
this before, but Chainlink is also part of this whole architecture of staking. You know, mm-hmm. we'll need oracles to verify all those sorts of things. These are all information and technology that will find its way in the white paper as we move forward. But yeah. right now, <clears throat> what's going to be in there is what we've developed, mm-hmm. the technology behind what we've developed. Yeah, because those, technolo- ex- those, those technologies are defined. So that's what any of the technology that's been defined is in that white paper. Other things that go, uh, you know, in the future that you know, they're still happening in the works, whether that, you know, is a swap at some point. I know some people have been talking about Ember Swap and, you know, maybe, you know, for our own wallet or, or, or staking contracts. Those things are still in development. So they're not in the white paper because this is a snapshot of what we have defined and being able to be deliverable as of the release of that white paper. And that document is a living document to where those things as they're developed will be added in the future. Absolutely. And, you know, they're going to find themselves in their part of the sort of the roadmap aspect of what's coming, but you can't go deep into like analysis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So as, as, as we progress, uh, we're going to be sharing updates of this white paper. It's a living, breeding thing. And right now, it's a snapshot of what we know so far, our, you know, our, our best hypothesis of how we feel the next steps are going to take place technology-wise and the type of stack that we're going to be using. We're going to cover all those sorts of things in there. And really looking forward, I mean, our light paper is already quite exhaustive and it, very informative, but we want to make it better. We want to add meat to the bone. We feel that by early next week, uh, we'll have a first draft of it. We'll uh, review it all, see if it you know hits all the marks. What's interesting is that we went out of our way to, because this is something technical and this is something also that is heavy in copy, we wanted to get the right skill set. Again, going back to you know, sometimes when we don't have this skill set in the team, we go and find it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be content with the idea that we're going to half-ass it. So we've been searching for someone that had the um, the experience uh, and the expertise to take sort of a light paper and bring it in the world of white paper, you yeah, know, the, give give the, breath to it to, to 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 expand on it to where it has that level of of you know the, setting that bar again, and also too, just so you guys understand, is to find if you're not running an organization to find the proper candidates. I mean, there's entire business models of of organizations that just function on helping you find a candidate that's proper for the skill set that you're looking for, and that alone can be a Herculean task to find the absolute right candidate, the resource that's available to do that. And I think, Jason, if you'd agree, I think that we that we have done that. Absolutely. And it goes through, you know, the same vetting process. You need to, you know, interview tons of people. You explain without going too much into the process. I think that ultimately what matters is that going back to what we're trying to accomplish here, all these people that we're meeting and that we're onboarding around us that believe in what we're trying to accomplish fundamentally when we speak to them initially our goal is to 
you know, have them help us, but also stick around to help everyone else. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what we're doing right now, we're going to do it times a hundred, times a thousand for all these new projects and all these, you know, creatives and makers and, you know, that they'll want to have access to this network of of people that can help them go from ideation to launch. Yeah, absolutely. So we really will have a resource pool available to them. This is difficult to do too because a lot of these people that are these these world-class people, whether it comes to our development team, the Solidity dev, to this now copywriter who has a vast you know breadth of experience. We're, we're talking like... This copywriter, it's a, it's a young lady that's been working for about four years in the space. She's worked for some of the major crypto news hubs. She's written blog articles, I think about, I think it's something around 4,000 of them. Mm-hmm. So she, she's been around the block. And, and in regards to white papers, she's written some of the most recent really, really impressive projects. When you know that you're going to start building a pipeline of... And people like that don't just work for any project either. I mean, it took some... You know, they need to be... Is they're, they're in so demand that they get to handpick what they want to be involved in. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. I'd, I'd be doing the same because ultimately you want to work with the best and uh, you want something that also gets you uh, excited because mm-hmm. one of the reasons why she was, you know, she was explaining to us why she was in there is... There are so many projects out there that have this hard, you know, this hard time explaining their technology and putting it all together in this one paper. And she felt she had the skill set and she's proven it multiple times to help these these young entrepreneurs that she sees day in and day out, just like us, and ultimately just like all of the new people that will be coming and that will be attracting on on our platforms in the ecosystem you know as soon as this white paper is done we, we've already told her we, we want to keep her around and this is something that we're doing for uh, for our community yeah. we're, we're literally building a resource pool that these people that are coming through the amber project to launch their own projects will have access to we've offloaded the hard work of finding this great talent. And that's a big thing about what this show is, is to show that what we have to go through, you know, like I said, things, things change, you know, all the time when it comes to development and we're being transparent to show you these are all the processes that we have to go through to make these things happen. And guess what? When we launched with the Amber Launchpad, you'll have these resources on demand available to you. Yeah. That's the most beautiful thing. I think where we find ourselves quite lucky and, it's quite surprising that there, you know, there's these people out there that are sort of sharing the same type of experience. And these are just validations that the problem that we're aiming for to solve, it's a generalized problem. Mm-hmm. All these steps before launching a project in, you know, in the crypto space, they're all very abstract for most entrepreneurs, most creatives. And what we're doing with Ember is that we're creating this blueprint that will be scalable. I feel this is something that doesn't exist right now. Having done our competitive analysis, this experience where you go from 
ideation to launch. Yeah, super excited about the next couple of months. And I think the whole team, because we meet, we meet every week, like uh, on Wednesdays afternoon with, with the whole team, we have a session where we go about and have a similar sort of conversation that we're having with you today, but, you know, internally. And if you, you, you know what we're working on, obviously we can't share everything, but just like the, the roadmap is absolutely, you know, so exciting. Mm-hmm. And we're addressing like real world problems. Like we're not trying to like create a new thing, you know, a new technology. Yeah, we're, not trying to re- we're not trying to reinvent the wheel over here. You know, we're addressing no. things that are so obvious in the space that why, why has no one else thought of this? You know, these obvious Absolutely. problems. And that's what makes it also exciting is that we feel like we're on the right track because every time we come across world-class candidates to do the things that we can't, they get excited. And these are people that have, you know, that have worked with many other projects before. And when we start having these discussions with them, they're like, okay, yes, absolutely. You know, I, I want to be a part of it this. It makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it makes total sense. And you guys, what, you know, what you're trying to fix is generalized. You know, it's it's definitely out there. And, you know, things as simple as, and I know we've mentioned it, but I think it's important to put it back out there again. You know, these past couple of shows, we've been talking a lot about tokenomics, smart contract and everything. And, you know, having a project, you know, a project like us, uh, you know, a token launch that is happening on our own website with our own smart contracts that powers all of this, this like, this is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. It's not, it does not happen. Nobody goes out of their way to build custom contracts that spend months you know, developing them, testing them, all of this to launch their own token. Most like ninety, all of them all do it through some other launch pad. There's mo- other ways they could absolutely do their project. That is, these are very hard to use interfaces, very difficult to navigate. This is what we're doing with our own space. So even when we talk to other potential partners. When I remember, Jason, you were telling me that this person was like, okay, well, how are you launching? Like, oh, wait, so wait, you guys did what? You lo- built your own smart contract and Web3 interface that's going to have, you know, be be beautiful and be able to use in, in a fashion I haven't seen before. The guy's like, no, you guys are really building all that? Like, they, it really kind of blew the guy's mind when it was one of our potential, potential financial partners. He's like, that's an excellent idea, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, fundamentally what this means is that it's a bit like um, the concept of owning the full experience, just like Apple. Like the reason why it's all integrated, and you know, you look at the recent Macs that just got released a couple of days ago, and why they're being so powerful is because they own the whole experience from software to hardware. And when you, you have this power of building and you know architecting the whole experience then you're not a slave to someone else's ui you're not a slave of you know someone else's contract or things like that so we're able to build it the way we feel us as end users like if we were we're able to put ourselves in the shoes of someone that would come and we know all those hurdles. We know all those things that are wrong out there, and we're fixing it. 
Well, you know what's funny and, is and, I, yeah. I I just want to jump in real quickly too while we're talking about we mentioned the Apple thing and why why that's such a, a important analogy is when you mentioned with the new Macs is that they used to be on an Intel platform. They were using Intel was the largest chip manufacturer in the world. And when they made that announcement that they said, look, we're going to actually develop our own architecture and do everything completely in-house with our own chipset, that people in the industry were like, what? Why would you do all that? Just like the same response that we got when we were trying to build these smart contracts and what we were trying to do. People were like, what? Why would you? There's all these other things in the works. Why would you go all that way with all that effort? Then once these new Macs were released, it blew the lid off of the industry. They could not believe how well it all integrated. I mean, if you look at the reviews, if you type in when the M1 Mac was first released, there's every it's reviewer insane. is flabbergasted. They're like, oh, okay, now I get it. No wonder you guys built this from the ground up. It's night and day, and this is what we're aiming for. We're aiming for night and day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Everything that we want to build, we're looking at not an iterative sort of approach. We're looking at... And it's a great book, if I'm sure some of you have read it, Peter Thiel's Zero to One. Mm-hmm. This is the type of innovation that we're talking about. We're talking about increasing the experience by you know, at least a 10x fold. And this will have a dramatic impact on the outcomes. Because if you're able to have this type of integrated and seamless experience where you control absolutely every element and every step of that process, then you're able to create something that hasn't been created before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it just goes to show too, is that one process that we don't have full 100% control over, which is the hack and audit because of, you know, you're relying on someone. uh, Yeah, you're right. You're you're relying on their timeline. It goes to show is that why, you know, besides, you know, unfortunately, you know, you have to have a third party. That's the whole point of an audit. But it just goes to show, you know, proof of concept that if you don't control every aspect of your business, whatever it's through the technologies, the foundation from front end to back end, um, and that's why you have end up having delays when you have to, you know, rely on a third party. You know, whether that's even right now, what's going on when you see with shipping constraints, you know, in the supply chain. Um, you know, after this global pandemic, if you're in a situation where you're relying on a third party, then you're at the whim of whatever their uh, capabilities are. So, with this being said, you know, the whole white paper is something to be conscious of that is important. It's not meant to be. A marketing document it's meant to be a window into how everything works how everything interoperates how the uh, you know the roadmap fits into all of this the economic point of view of in proposition hasn't been taught through in, in regards to is it is it a sustainable model for what you're aiming for the problem that you're addressing the solution that you're putting together through technology, through all of those things. And we just can't wait to share it with the community and get your feedback on it. Ultimately, it's going to be sort of our, our our blueprint, like you said, Rob. It's, it's the blueprint of Ember. And mm-hmm. there will not be any more source of truth, as we say. You know, this is where everything starts. 
And, and, and also, too, is what really goes, and I, I made this as kind of a comparison earlier, but it's more true than, than not, is the thought of it, you know, a graduate student's thesis as opposed to someone who's marketing material. And that is shows that when this information is listed, this is not just someone pulling information out of thin air. That are using this as 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 a references to how they're explaining to the public. At the bottom of this document, you know, you'll have, you know, a, uh, an actual, um, uh, you know, what's the exact word for? I, no, it's more than just references, but you know, when you have a breakdown of where this information is coming from, that when they're like making the this analysis, notes. yeah, like a foot the footnotes of an, where, where this analysis is is comparable to these other documents too. This is where I found this information. This is how I came to this conclusion. So there'll be a full list of references. So think of something more that it's on that level of, of a document than what you normally see in this marketing material. Why they even call it a white paper? I think it's just become a buzzword, just to kind of attract you know shitcoin investors. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that ultimately the reason why is that it's all about a quick win. Mm-hmm. And a white paper is not meant to be a quick win, you know. It's it's not meant to be something you just put out there and to tick the box. We have a white paper. It's actually the, the opposite. The opposite is all about long-term long you know sustainability and longevity. It's really the whole yeah. you know the goal of it. So it's so funny that how people's understanding of what it what a white paper is has grown into something that's really the complete opposite of what it's supposed to be. Yeah, so true, so true. Do you want to mention too when the new website's going to be up and when when we should see that operating soon? As you may or may not know, what we've released is basically a a version one of of a website. Mm-hmm. There is a much more exhaustive version of it with. Uh, in-depth tokenomic vesting, how's that going to work, you know, team, the app, absolutely everything. And it's so gorgeous. It's I just can't wait. When people say, oh, the website's amazing, I said, you haven't seen half of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, like, seen, you've seen the landing page. <laughs> yeah, you've seen That's the landing practice. page. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My thoughts are before end of weekend, most definitely it's going to be on again. Uh, don't don't take this as as a hard sort of uh, delivery date. We're working around the clock on it. It's definitely pretty much almost ready, but we just want to do some final tests on it and make sure because there are some Web three elements in it uh, that are connected to the the smart contracts. Uh, you know the yeah exactly the crowd sale contract because there's the whole swap interface that will basically enable anyone to go swap between. Directly uh, on the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And a, and a much, have... much more easier to use interface than you've seen on something like PancakeSwap, which is just <laughs> word salad you, over there. <laughs> you're just not going to believe. To be frank, uh-huh. you're not going to believe how amazing, you know, Jamie's work in regards to design, but also thinking about all the, you know, the, the less obvious, you know, all the... Again, we're not releasing just this this box that is a functional box. There's all these subtleties uh, about how does it work, what's left, and you know all sorts of things. And the way it's all coming together, it's such a such a beautiful experience and adapted to 
uh, which is again a testament of the kind of thing we want to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's such a difficult effort. There's all these things that are happening have to happen simultaneously between the design aspect from the design team to build a beautiful website that also has a Web3 interface that's connected to our smart contracts that we're developing you know, internally that are proprietary contracts. Those have to then be audited by a third-party company to have the highest level of standard. And then to have all this put together, you have to have a white paper developed to be able to, you know, kind of, you know, give your statement to the public with a full analysis. So all of these things that are happening simultaneously that are all coming together, it's not just like, well, you guys make a website and you do this. All these things are really one entity, uh, you know, that they're all tentacles to this one octopus that is Ember. And all that stuff has to be good and ready to go when we do launch. At the end of the day, too, with our uh, one of our biggest contracts is, of course, the Ember token itself. Yep. So it's a lot of work. <laughs> Well, that's what this show's no, no. about, is to give you guys a behind the scenes on what we're doing. Next week is, uh, you know, uh, we have confirmed that Andrew's going to be there. James is going to be there as well. I'm not sure if Eli is going to be there, but uh, there's no doubt, you know, most probably he will be there mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more than just, I know you guys are m- missing Andrew, but he make a surprise uh, appearance. And then some faces of people you've never met before have been working harder on this back behind the scenes than than, than I sure have. <laughs> <laughs> guys, listen, this has been Today at Ember. Jason, it's been a real pleasure as always. Listen, you guys can catch us here every Thursday at 2 p.m. Twitch.tv, Thursdays at 2. Also, again, following that, of course, you see us on all your greatest uh, podcast apps, whatever that might be, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're always there. Thank you guys so much. See you next week.